For the rest of you, this is what we refer to as the MSB or the Magic Silver Box. All right, it's had uh, it has had some wear and tear over the last four years, but it still holds its magic. And this is what happens during the intermission. There's some paper and some pens out here by the books for sale. Um, you write a question on a piece of paper. You put it in the magic silver box. If I ask your question during the panel discussion, you win an amazing prize. We got a lot of good stuff donated from local businesses. We have Nick's book. Um, so think of a question, put it in the magic silver box, see what could happen. Could be your lucky night. Hi, this is Catherine Lasota, host of LIC Reading Series, a monthly event at LIC Bar in Long Island City, Queens. In this episode of our podcast, you're going to hear the panel discussion from our June 11, 2019 event with Kathleen Alcott, Ryan Chapman, and Nick Mancusi. You may hear some background noise in this event as it was a summer event and there were some people in the backyard of the bar hanging out in the warm weather with some beers. If you want to hear the readings from this uh, event on June 11, 2019, just listen to the previous episode. And remember, because this is the panel discussion at LIC Reading Series, you're also going to hear from the Magic Silver Box, which is something that we ask our audience to put questions into during intermissions in our events. And if I pull a question out of the Magic Silver Box, the asker of that question wins a fabulous prize. So let's jump on into LSE Bar and start our panel discussion with Kathleen Alcott, Ryan Chapman, and Nick Mancusi. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to ask some questions before we go into the Magic Silver Box. I forgot to mention, Kathleen, I did offer each reader after they read a package of M&Ms. Would you like some? No, thank you. I okay. chugged mine immediately. Otherwise, I'd, I'd share. Yours? Yeah, they're gone. Long gone. Yeah. All, right. Um, all right, cool. So the first thing I want to ask you guys is I think that you all have, and uh, we need to get a, like, I need to hold up Nick's book so you can see it along the rest, but really, really great titles. For your books, A Philosophy of Ruin, Riots I Have Known, and America Was Hard to Find. I think they're all just really evocative, great titles, and I wonder if you could share with us any story behind these titles or how the title came to be or why this title. Was there another one? Well, yours is an illusion, right? Yes. <laughs> Um, Daniel Berrigan, who was part of the Catonsville Nine, um, which was a collective in Boston uh, in prison for burning draft cards. He was a priest and a poet, um, and he uh, a, col- a, a collected edition of his letters and poems that he wrote from prison, including To the Weather Underground, who are also kind of featured in this novel, um, was called America is Hard to Find. So, yeah, that's where that... Yeah. Um, also segue into Ryan because written from prison and let's talk about riots I have known as your title um, the title came from um, the, the construction of blanks I have known has been used every um, for for different like books and films over the years and there was a, a like a film called wild tigers I have known that I saw like a so you, yeah, I saw it. I saw it at Seattle Film Festival in like I don't know, 2005, 2004, and it's very good. It, it's a, it's a, uh, uh, if you can find it, it's very good. But um, that that construction of kind of uh, uh, forced nostalgia was funny to me because I wanted to, um, I don't know, try and echo some of the the that in the title that's in the book. Um, 
Also, the the title doesn't really pass fact check because the narrator, spoiler, like doesn't survive the riot uh, that is raging, and so uh, he only does know one. Um, so I like that the title kind of lies to you yeah. as much as the book does. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think it was like a 2 a.m. flashbulb <laughs> thing. So wait, did Kathleen and Ryan, did you have any other working titles before these? Or was it just like, this is it? This is what this is going to be? No, and this was the first book that's ever happened to me with. But mm-hmm. I just, in my research, I had read um, this collection. And I thought it was like such a strange observation. And I also just knew exactly what he meant. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, it was always it. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, for for me, I uh, was sort of the opposite of that. We had uh, I had maybe you know ten working titles, some of those for like a year, and I thought, oh, this is brilliant and great, you know. But the advi- you know, the advice that I've learned to give, or what I will give people in the future now about titles, is let other people do it. Like I had many ideas that I thought were great. Uh, turns out they were all not great, <laughs> terrible. So uh, you know, forty emails with my agent and and uh, an editor, we sort of. You know, first we got to this structure of what about the uh of uh, uh-huh. <laughs> and then plugged in like forty or different forty fifty different words and like philosophy of of destruction all sorts. I was like, what about an academic word and like a cool word? And then we eventually came to that ruin yeah, exactly. Yeah, for a while it was the ruins, but which I thought was good, but it turned out to be too simple and also already a book, so that was uh, uh, always tricky. Always tricky. Do you have um, multiple files in your? hard drive somewhere of versions of this book that have different titles or that's a good question I don't I I don't know if I've just been effacing the same word document for Mm. eight years but probably because I've been emailing it when you know when I emailed it I bet some Mm. of those crappy Mm. titles have been Mm. passed around the internet now you know guys Nick Mancusi writes in word oh yeah Mm. Uh, word 2005 which is I know it's incompatible it's embarrassing like I can't (laughs) when my editor sends me edits I cannot access them. <laughs> I say, can you send me this in something else? I, I refuse to pay for the new words. So I'm That's running the, the Word document I bought en route to college, senior year of high school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's literally incompatible with modern life, but I'm sticking with it for now. Yeah, yeah. No, and then you go, that's great. You go somewhere else and you try to open your document that you emailed to yourself. I've done this since, like, when you were in updates, it's the newest version, and you go, no, I'll never be oh, able yeah. to open it that's again. That's how they get you. That's how they it get you. It'd be so incredible, though, if then you became that author who, like, doesn't accept edits, but you did it because you never updated the Word document. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Listen, I mean, I'm happy to accept fine. edits if you want to uh, fax them to me and, uh, you know, mail them in a hard copy, but unfortunately, I'm just running, <laughs> running Word 2004 over That's amazing. That's a good strategy. Where's, um, like, 200 bucks? They should give you like they should give students free. I know, software. really. What does it oh, cost? What does it cost? I never. I literally I haven't bought it. Yeah, my mom bought it for me when I was a your high school senior. Yeah, the last time I was bought a word document. Is your birthday coming up? <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, no, please buy Nick's book when it comes out. So you I know can I got it for Microsoft Word. <laughs> it's not cheap. If you want him to write another book and work with an editor... Who no, we sell it. film rights. I get the full Microsoft you know, Office suite and get some Excel. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> PowerPoint. Mm-hmm. Let's not go crazy. I'm going to do a night here where I just make all the authors do PowerPoint presentations. <laughs> no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like studies that it like makes you dumber. It is like such a bad way of presenting information. No, no, no. no. But what you need to do is do a PowerPoint presentation and also give handouts of the PowerPoint slides printed right. in a package. Oh, that's good. Yeah. It only makes you dumb if you don't include them. the right. Yeah, you, yeah. You, it makes you smart if you get the right. You know, zoom in from the right, zoom in from the left, keep people oh, guessing. Yeah, get the flippy. Makes it yeah, exciting. Exactly. Yeah. No, I don't even know how to do that in PowerPoint. <laughs> it's like font change, clip art. Yeah, exactly. 
People still use clip art. All right. Um, yes, they do on Instagram stories. Okay. Uh, this is something, uh, Ryan, in the New York Times, uh, from the review of your book there, it says, Chapman MF is the, is the editor writing this, this story, this writes I've known. Chapman knows MF so well, it's like they were cellmates for years. Which is very interesting. I was like, you kind of were, right, uh, cellmates with your book for years, in a way. So maybe you guys can each talk about how many years went into your book and was it was, how how much did it change over time did did this book how many years and was this book something completely different when you started or not um yeah i spent five and a half years on this novel and i think that my mind changed about it many times and I think that that's probably necessary to write a decent novel. Like, I think there's that, you know, there's that maxim in investigative journalism that if you um, end up telling the same story you set out to, then you're doing something wrong. And I think that's probably true for for the novelist as well. I don't know that I obeyed that before. Hmm. Uh yeah, that's how many years, which is a long time. I mean, I was working on this book from the time I was like 25 to 30, which are very strange years in a woman's life, right? Mm-hmm. Like the years when people stop holding the door open for you. Already by the time you turn 30. Well, but I think you also get a look on your face. It's like, if you do that, I might cut your dick off. So right, don't right, do that right. to me. It's not like people so, are sniffing out you have 10 years left of fertility. No, but yeah, so I I don't know. I think this was like the first book that I wrote when I was thinking about the rest of my life rather than looking backwards. Mm. I was like reckoning with a whole lifetime of being a woman. This is very much a feminist novel, I think, I hope. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. This is very different from your first two, you think, in your approach. My approach? How so? The approach where you you say that the maxim with investigative journalism, if you write the book that you set out, to write from the beginning. Remember that I also said that's what makes a decent novel. So if you're saying I didn't follow no, 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 it. No, no, <laughs> I'm not saying you didn't write decent novels the first time. I'm just saying, you, do you feel like it was very <laughs> different for you this time? Um, yeah. Do you feel like you had an idea what you were writing when you started the other two? More than in this one? Or like an idea in mind? Um, I think that I understood the... the final images of this novel sooner mm. than I understood the final images of my two previous novels. Mm. Interesting. Friends? Um, yeah, mine took a, it's sad, it took about the same amount of time to write, but it's like a quarter as long. Um, <laughs> and that came about from um, I had um, earlier worked on like an autobiographical, like, apprenticeship book that some friends I've already told her here that it was, like, um, I wrote it a while ago, and it was a, like, a shit version of Ben Lerner's Leaving the Atocha Station. And I wrote it before that book, so I feel like I get credit for that. <laughs> but, he, he gave Ben Lerner the idea. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> he's like why don't we do this, but better. Um, Can uh, we get a quote from him? Yeah. <laughs> Can anyone text him? See, yeah, if you ever want to know what your writing is, like, Plus a MacArthur Award. That's what you get. Um, and so, but so that was crap. And then I like put it away. And then uh, I had the idea for like the shape of the book came just kind of early and randomly. And 
I um, was lucky that it, it did all cohere, but then I also knew that it would take a while to get the voice right. Mm-hmm. And so the writing was really just like rewriting it and rewriting it. And um, I took like six months to a year off halfway through um, and then came back. And then once it clicked, then it was uh, a lot easier. And um, I kind of, I really like books that have kind of a, a, like a high wire voice. Um, voice like I think of um, like Virgin Suicides I think has this where it's like almost an impossible uh, voice to keep up for a whole novel you could see it in a short story of this like kind of like a plurality of the narration yeah and like basically like the Greek chorus that both like knows everything that happened in this town but doesn't necessarily know anything about the central figures they're obsessed with and it's like basically trying to create narrators who know enough to keep you engaged but admit they don't know enough to like figure out their own lives or the lives of the the five sisters I'm looking on their names but you don't have to remember all five sisters names no but the last name do you remember the last name of the five sisters if someone does they get a prize yeah Um, but uh, that it's such a trick and it's just uh, uh, it felt like a high wire act because I really thought that in reading it you kept waiting for the slip up of like the the narrators to give too much away on a technical level, like they wouldn't know that, or on a on an emotional level that they kind of betrayed like a an emotional maturity they wouldn't have had at that time because it's such a complex um, frame that Eugenides opted for, and so the the challenge was really just like with this trying to do something like that, and then like just failing a good like 10 or 12 times and then it once it clicked i was like okay like um felt like i was easy a lot easier after that that sounds terribly exhausting how did you how did you like psych yourself up to keep going back to this thing until it clicked i don't know it's it's like writers know this like i think when you're working on a book it's like just having this like amazing companion in the back of your mind and so it's you're always thinking about a little bit and then i was writing this book while i had a nine to five and having a private creative project while like work is awful is very mm-hmm. motivating. Um, and it would be like a great reason to get out of bed because I'd write it before I went to the office. Mm-hmm. Um, and also it was very like, I enjoyed it. It was very transgressive. It felt cathartic to like go to the office and like hate my boss yeah. and like, you know, I love my wife and I love my friends, but like other parts sucked. And then, <laughs> uh, having this like project that was like pure bile and spleen um, and funny. I mean, people should read it, but um, there's a lot of spleen in it. Yeah. Uh, it's long on spleen. Motivated. Long yeah. on spleen. You have spleen in yours. Uh, well, you, know, you have a lot of violence. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was, um, I think my number is like eight years. So, you know, basically the bulk of my twenties really so like you win. Well, no, because I mean, it, n- that number is inflated by very much a debut thing where, you know, I, I, did, I didn't go to an MFA. I only was able to sort of pretend that I was a writer because I was writing book reviews and things like that. So there would be whole six-month periods or something where I w- wouldn't write a word, you know, lose the document essentially and, and not know what to do. And it never really, you know, I wish I had, you hear these great stories about, oh, I rewrote it seven times, or like, that's a low number from what you hear. I, oh, I'd switch it all to third person and back to first, and then I wrote it from another perspective. I didn't do any of that. It was all really one sentence by one sentence, like uh, sit down for three hours and maybe write a sentence that night. And that's been my process for this. You know, it's not a long book. It's 
it's about 250 pages, so eight years is, you know, per, you know, do the math on that. It's not a lot of pages per year. Uh, so next time around, I'll try to, you know, So it's a steal if you buy it. it oh, my God. The, yeah, yeah, that's the other side. Yeah. So it never really, there was no big, uh, it was just a sort of overcoming that own, my own um, blockade to, to getting it done that took so long. But, but would you say, and it sounds like maybe this was true with Ryan's case, would you say that having other things in your life that weren't the writing of your book were motivation to get to that? Or um, I have maybe distraction, I'm not sure. Motivation, okay. I was definitely very motivated to finish it at a certain point when I just sort of realized, like, oh, I'm going to be writing this for one decade, which is silly. It, it needs to be, at, you, I think maybe this is the same way with everyone finishing the first novel. It was like, this is time, it's, it's become time to subject this to potential rejection, you know, and, and then I, and then if, if that's the case, then I, it's time to move on. So about eight years, I think, is about as long as someone can maintain that, and that's when, it, that would, that's what gave me the final, oh, let's figure out an ending and try to get an agent, I guess, and that's how it worked. I'm, I'm glad that you finished it. Yeah, me too. And that, and that you, it's coming out next week, and I'm sending you all the good energy and good vibes for I your debut you. coming out next week. You can talk to Ryan about the sleep deprivation of the first book. <laughs> no, tour. we have been. Yeah, you've been talking. He's been about my sort of uh, uh, canary in the coal mine because he's working oh, three weeks. Yeah. yeah, you gain weight on tour. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So you know, you guys spent some good years on these books. Um, it shows the final product clearly, and I wonder. Um, there's very specific environments that that happen in these books, and Ryan, you're in a prison, and Kathleen, as I said, you so masterfully write about so many different environments, some of them not even on this planet. Um, I wonder what kind of, maybe you could share just an anecdote about the most interesting aspect of some research that went into this book, whether it was outside research or books that you were reading that that were feeding into your work, um, if something comes to mind. Yeah, well, I spent a lot of time with men who were involved with the Apollo program, um, engineers, and on the phone with Alan Bean, who died last year. It was the fourth man on the moon. Wow. And what was interesting to me about it, I mean, they, they had some interesting things to say, but actually what was most remarkable was just how programmatic in their answers they still were. Um, they endured such exhaustive recursive um, like enduring depersonalization that even 50 years later they were like not able to speak from their own identities or subjectivities about anything or like I would have to really work as like a journalist to get them to do that how do you write such convincing characters with that as your source well because I'm good at asking questions and so I was able to like figure out what the chinks in the wall were uh -huh. and, and like how to get to them would they tell sort of like the Cold War party line of like secrecy or um, it was it was even more boring than that you know it was like well if you uh, if you if you set your sights uh, <laughs> you don't look to the left or right and I'd be like you're the most interesting person I've ever talked to and you're so fucking boring um, wow. so yeah I mean um, I did that I think that was like probably the most the most shocking like talking to like an apollo engineer about what werner von braun was like when oh nasa undertook him and wow. like how personalities were divided around the nazi in the room that was successfully getting <laughs> us to the moon was pretty strange hmm. in his retirement home yeah <laughs> wow 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 but that's kind of what the novel's for right like you can it, it's very believable that these people who might not be 
like forthcoming or maybe great at like articulating their interior lives are good for yeah. the space program. And then, yeah, because the, the yeah. whole thing about like the whole thing about the way that these men were trained was that like Alan Bean told me that landing on the moon wasn't really that interesting because he had done it so many times in simulation. Like everything that he did, he had done so many times and you were not allowed to undertake a step if you had not completed the step before and practiced it. Um, like they would sort of practice jumping off the ladder before actually doing it, by which I mean they would jump down and then come back up. You know, mm -hmm. so there was no, there was no real freedom mm -hmm. or wildness in it. Um, for some of them, there was. You know, um, there's like this. In, there's a, an incredible story about Neil Armstrong just like going off radio and um, like leaving the uh, the the MO that had been set for months a couple times during his during his mission. And like, you know, a couple other astronauts did this, but it was, it was really at the, at the risk of respect and livelihood. Like there were some men who did this and then they um, were, you know, de denied various opportunities for the rest of their lives. So, yeah, I don't know. So I was like, I was researching that and I was researching kind of the same thing um, along the lines of political radicals um, and like what they did to kind, of, to kind of chip away at their identity and make it secondary or non-existent, and it was, I mean, it was kind of the same, you know, the message is like, your childhood doesn't, your childhood doesn't matter, your wife doesn't matter, love doesn't matter, it was the same. Um, the, the research aspect for the riots, um, what do you kind of expect, you know, I, I talked to, uh, interviewed people who'd been incarcerated, uh, read up as, uh, uh, a lot about, um, either journalistic accounts of American prison system, memoirs by um, people who'd been incarcerated uh, for a lot of kind of reasons you'd expect. They're just, there are, uh, there's a lot of censorship in the community of people who are presently incarcerated and being able to tell their stories. Um, uh, but one of the uh, illuminating aspects, um, I remember, because uh, I was looking for um, prison narratives and, and when people who are incarcerated talk about it, tend to follow pretty similar narratives, um, and there are uh, uh, cultural and psychological reasons for it, but um, I was hoping to find ways in that would be different than what um, I'd encountered or that readers might encounter. And Ted Conover's book, New Jack, is, is very instructive in this uh, regard, where he um, became a uh, uh, CEO at, New, uh, at Sing Sing for a little while, and oh, right. spoke of... Um, New Year's celebrations where the um, prisoners would hoard toilet paper and then wait and their celebration would, they would kind of time it so that the, the paper would be loose like ticker tape parade from the, the third story flat, second story flat first. And um, he describes it beautifully. And it's, it's, um, it's one of, I mean, it's, I highly recommend that book for a number of reasons, but um, he, he did an excellent job of showing uh, like the, uh, you know, improvised spectacle and joy um, in uh, uh, Sing Sing that was, um, oh, it was very beautiful. Yeah. Well, um, I sort of throw myself on the mercy of the court for this one because my book contains almost no research at all, which I'm, I don't know, proud or ashamed to say, but I, I, I want to, you know, encourage, as much as I love a well-researched novel, uh, I think writers should allow themselves the freedom to just sort of write and, you know, 
it's fiction. If you mess the facts up, maybe some good readers of your will be like, this is wrong, but who, who cares really if it's a good story? And I do uh, firmly believe that. There is some light formal philosophy in the book that just came from my undergraduate sort of study. I, I didn't want to get too, you know, I didn't want to get the chalkboard out, but it is at the periphery of the, of the book. Um, I did eventually, I sent a draft to my friend who was a, who is a, um, in fact, she's just uh, defending her thesis now, but she's a philosophy grad student. I was like, is this vaguely feasible in terms of the academic structure and those sort of things? And then the one other person, my other friend who was a, a medic in the Army Air Corps. Uh, so there's that, if you read the book, that, that, that'll make sense why I would want him to read it. And I was yeah. like, is this vaguely, is this vaguely feasible? And, and that was, uh, and he gave me the, the green light on that. But other than that, you know, my, um, my mother, along with my grandmother and uncle, were uh, daytime soap opera writers for a while, and they would always joke about whether or not it was more fun to fudge uh, legal bullshit or medical bullshit. So they were just like, <laughs> so I always th that was sort of a touchstone for me. Like you know, it's it, it's the story that matters, and if you need to like massage, and there's not, it, it's not as if I take huge liberties in, in my novel or anything. It's mostly, uh, but I do, you know, I write about California and the um, Southwest. Uh, where I've been, you know, precisely once really in my adult life, um, which wasn't, I mean, I used that one time to write <laughs> those scenes, but, you know, if someone from California wants to take me to Kathleen, if you feel like uh, calling me out on anything like this, like, I mean, I'm sure, you know, there are some factual or, or descriptive uh, freedoms I took that I frankly, you know, don't really care about. Can I just share that um, in the first workshop I ever taught, which was at the Center for Fiction, where enrollment is whatever, it's like open, it's like anybody can take it, and you're like, you have an incredible mixture of people and one of my first, one of my first students, um, which I like, should not have been teaching this man anything. He was like, he was 80 years old. His name was George Bear, and his email was like George Bear MD or something. Oh, okay. Um, I shouldn't be saying that, but George Bear, it turned out because or? of his yeah, <laughs> because of his responses to people's stories was like both a very respected cardiologist, like and a Polish refugee of the Holocaust, and like um, the amateur fiction writer is really interested in like weird diseases and the Holocaust, oh, yes. and several times in the workshop, like like. George Bear would just be like, cal you know, just calcified in the corner, and then he would speak up, and he'd be like, "This is completely unfeasible." <laughs> <laughs> he was no fun to have, and like very useful. And I think about I him would all absolutely, the time. I take back everything I said. By the way, if he, if he said that, I'd be like, "I'm shredding this draft." You're totally right. That's amazing, and I think they could have kind of just offered him to teach a class at the Center for Fiction for new writers. On who the want heart, to he's just like, "Here's yeah, what a body heart. can do." <laughs> Yeah. Um, I have to say, Nick, that I think some kind of the, like, the light philosophy, and maybe if you say it's bullshitting philosophy, such as bullshitting medical or legal situations in soap opera, I think it lends... I wouldn't quite, but go on. You wouldn't quite, yeah. but I think it's partly, it works so well because this guy, it somehow works so well that he's this like struggling assistant professor of philosophy. He's just like teaching all the intro courses, yeah. you know, like it adds, it's just like s part of the humor that gets there. I mean, assistant it. means you're not an adjunct. That's actually pretty that's, good, well, that's right? That's true. It's, he's right. You know, he's doing he's got okay. got a contract. <laughs> someone, <laughs> someone else made a similar point. That, that he was like, and he's not even good at uh, being a philosophy professor. And I was like, well, he's kind of, I defended him. I was like, he's, he's, he's doing all right. He'll get better. <laughs> he thinks he's not saying he was curious to prove himself. Though. Exactly. All right. We're going to dive in to the box. Yeah, dive into the box time. Okay, we have to decide <laughs> who's going to get the first question. 
And um, I'm thinking of uh, thinking of an animal that has circular features. This is too specific, isn't it? <laughs> In its markings. I know, right? Do we? Oh wait, is this for them or for us? No, no. So I'm thinking of this animal, okay. and then okay. each of you tell me a creature that fits this description. Whoever's closest to what I'm thinking will get the first question. Do we call it out I or do we symbolize? Whoa, 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 what? What? What did you say? Circular feet. I don't know. It's disgusting. What yeah. was your animal? Sir, I said Ryan Chapman. Ryan Chapman. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Ryan, what's your guess? Leopard. Yeah, I would say like a, a very well-organized cow, you know, with nice <laughs> circles on it. Yeah, you're a Kusama cow. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Okay, so we have Ryan Chapman, a, a leopard, you said? Not a cheetah, a leopard. Yes. Oh, it's Unless should it be cheetah? Right. Wait a second. Totally Which cheating. has the circles? Yeah. And then a, and then a, I already no, a cow, a, 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 cow a that comely with cow patterns. with nice circles, not blotchy, though. A comely cow. So, um, this year at the LIC Reading Series, we've been giving away little plastic animals. And the little plastic animal this time I have is a raccoon. Oh, it has I see. some like circles yeah, around the tail and the, and the eyes, kind of, oh, so, you know, depending on the raccoon. So, the thing, I don't know that Ryan Chapman looks like a raccoon necessarily. Sleep deprived. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the glasses. <laughs> I like a good smoky eye. Smoky eye. Okay, wait. So when I guessed Ryan Chapman. Yeah, yeah. So, so this would go to Kathleen. Yeah, Kathleen gets, yeah. It, Kathleen gets no, the no, question. No. Does, does everybody think that Ryan's the closest animal to a raccoon of all the choices? Yeah. 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 All right. This is incredible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kathleen gets the first question. So um, the uh, asker of this question gets this adorable raccoon, and. Um, Peanut M and M's. Wow. All right. Mm. I got regulars. I know. I know. This is a this is a uh, question that is inspired by the the atmosphere tonight. And the question is, Kathleen, which three people would you have on your soccer team? Don't know or, anything about soccer. Can't answer the question. What if you were playing a team that required you to work? You or it says or in your riot. Or in your riot, if you were rioting with a group, who would you want on your riot team? I guess this can be past or present, known or unknown. Yeah. Who asked this question? You get a raccoon. <laughs> Don't confuse it. It's not a sculpture of Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving it on your door. <laughs> I feel like I feel like, I'm, I feel like I've been cowed by this panel. <laughs> I think. Bernardine Doran starts the war. <laughs> Pete Seeger keeps the peace. <laughs> and who ends it? Uh, Panina Roth. Ooh, oh wow! Great good, answer. Good literary reference yeah. there for the room. Right. Yeah. 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 I think that she would get excited. Yeah, she'd yeah. Be yeah. Freak, no. she would get freaked out. Yeah. She would freak everyone else out. <laughs> <laughs> um, totally. Panina Roth runs a, a very popular long-running reading series in Crown Heights. 
So if you're not familiar with Franklin Park Reading Series, you should check it out. That's a great team. Kathleen, you are now out of the running for the next question. But that was a great answer. I have to decide, okay, Nick or Ryan? Um, I'm thinking of a carbonated beverage. <laughs> Be specific, Nick. Oh, uh, Mr. Pibb. Okay. Ryan. LaCroix Pomplamoose. Mm. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I should have known you would guess that. Um, I think Ryan has to get this because I was thinking of Tecate, which is pretty much water. Yes. So. And often has a lime in it, much like certain LaCroix. Yeah. The, uh, the asker of this question gets a gift certificate to the wonderful LIC Corner Cafe, my local favorite, Ooh. where not only can you get wonderful coffee drinks, but the best baked goods. And if you go there on a day that the pie is made, get some, but don't take the last piece because I will cut you. <laughs> okay. Um, wait, so this is you, Ryan? Yes. The question is, what was your drink or vice, etc., you treated yourself to once you submitted your final version of your book? Who asked this question? Yes. Oh. You get Good a Good question, brother of Nick, who you probably wanted to answer this. <laughs> um, no, it's a great... Yeah, Roger knows, right? Uh, we went out. In order, it was um, a London Dry Martini with no garnish because we were low that day. <laughs> and then it was another martini uh, at a restaurant and then a bottle of champagne and then a water I should have consumed but did not. And then uh, a Pepto-Bismol. Footage missing. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I love that you knew what drink right there. You went right to, you knew. I'm a man of simple tastes and habit, yeah. It's classy. Martini. I mean, a martini is like... No garnish. No garnish. How yeah. classy okay, could it like, be? Yeah. It's chugged chin. Yeah. <laughs> and then went out. Can I, can I like, <laughs> donate, like, some? Because I'm curious what you guys drank yeah. for your books. Oh, sure. I mean, well... If, if you did. Well, the... <laughs> you drank well, for your books. What I... The, another thing you learn as sort of a debutante author is um, you, like, you don't realize how many times you're going to finish the book, and you finish it sort of nine times, and you also celebrate like if you get an agent or something. So I ended up you know, like, doing that four or five times. Like, oh, I'm done. This is great. Yeah. I send in the last revisions, and then it's like two more rounds of edits. And <laughs> you do those, oh, I'm not, not done. Well, I guess now I'm done. I guess now I'll have four martinis and a bottle of champagne. So I just did that every time, like four times. I mean, I turned in the Word document like three weeks ago. It was just like... <laughs> yeah. Exactly. The end, and then they just put it in a book form. Yeah. 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 It's easy. Yeah, I think. Yeah, man. It's like I. I don't. I now know that there's no end, there's and there's no, no real end. fulfillment yeah. either. Right. It doesn't really. That's God. why you, that's that's why you fill it good. with no, alcohol. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's better to just it's keep kombucha. your foods in a way that you're familiar with, because alcohol yeah. is a depressant, and For who sure. knows how you're gonna feel the next yeah. day. Well, okay, that's why you exactly. have to drink well, water. That's, that's the beauty of it. You do know how you're gonna feel the next day. Like shit. It's like nice to have something predictable in life. Yeah, that's true. Like I choose. The depression yeah. Rather yeah. Than just you can blame breaks. it on the Sometimes you got to just lean into life. it. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, the next question has to go, of course, to Nick, and you know what you're going to get. Oh, God. No, I can't win my own book. 
No, not you. It's got to go to someone else. Not you. Oh, that's right. Okay, you sorry. Don't... Yeah, I forgot that they won the stuff. Huh? You signed it. <laughs> to yourself. <laughs> you guys, this book is beautiful, and you know what you're going to get with it? The press material. Makes me sound so cool. Which I think you're, you get all the blurbs. You're going to get the write-up from the publicist. Good write-up. It's a good write-up. I've seen bad it's ones, and that's book. a good one. Um, what oh, yeah, I think tour is sketch. A, what? Tour sketch. Oh, is that in here? Yeah, like page four. We're, we're not in it, six cities. We're not in it. No, but you know, if they want to follow me around like yeah. Grateful Dead, they could do right. Northeast. Yeah, yeah. You can do it in a car. No, what you can do if you get this is he could, you could write it in and he could sign it and be like a collector's item. <laughs> um, what I think is amazing is that when you read from your book up here, I think you also had this. I had to ditch it midway. In midway, yeah. you're like, oh, I have my. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> So let's go to the, uh, let's go to the, you know, we're talking about the depressive quality of alcohol. Uh, this is a, a question. Oh, alcohol question. Great. Um, and the question is, what's the closest you've ever come to quitting writing? Oh, man. Who asked this? That's great. Uh, you know, that's dark. Question. It probably, oh. oh but, but inspiring because he didn't. Yes. Did he win? Does he win? Oh, cool. Man, I, I think it probably would have been, you know, I, I'm always so inspired when, tr truly, when, when writers say, you know, oh, I wrote a novel and didn't go anywhere. I didn't give up. I wrote another one. It was dog shit. I uh, didn't give up. Wrote another one. And, and no one liked that one. Couldn't sell. So I wrote another one. And that's the one. And, cause, and never give up. I think I probably <laughs> would have given up. You know, it, I dedicated eight years of, like, truly, you know, 4 a.m., hating yourself, trying to, like, just wrenching work to create my first attempt. You know, it's tr I don't have novels in the, in the drawer. You know, this was it, really. So I don't think I ever came close to giving up, but I might have if this didn't go well. You know what I mean? So I really sort of uh, burned the boats, essentially. And, you know, uh, maybe not. Perhaps I would have been one of those people who had a story down the line saying, oh, no one in my first one tanked, and then, and then I did it three more times. But uh, I think I sort of pushed that question back until until I had a book done, and then so far it's been going okay. All right. All right, let's... Uh, that, those are great. We're going to end on a light question here because I did ask you to embarrass our writers, I think, or maybe I didn't, but somebody wrote some questions that are embarrassing, so we have to get one <laughs> of them out. Fun. Um, and it's going to be like a rapid fire Okay. that each of you are just going to answer the same question. The asker of this question gets a gift certificate to the Astoria Bookshop. Sweet. Good for in-store purchase. Go check out this lovely bookstore. They have lots of good stuff, including the wonderful children's section, which I appreciate. But um, it's a lovely, lovely bookstore. And the question, you guys, quick response, please unless it invol involves explanation, is what color is your underwear? Oh, my God. I think it's know? blue. Brian's <laughs> checking. Who asked this question? I'm <laughs> fairly confident it's blue. I just, uh, I very recently, so I can, I can explain. I, I called the old guard. My girlfriend was fed up. She was like, these underpants. The whole crew has got to go. So she came home with a full... Heavy Uniqlo bag. Yeah, yeah. Is she here? Oh. Yeah, she's here. Yeah, yeah. 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 So she picked out the colors. Jesse. Yeah, full, full new, new starting five. Yeah, yeah. So I had a Viking funeral for the old guys. Their rest is their their, their watch is over. Yeah, yeah. I was a busy it's guy. It's true that men 
think, I don't know why, but most men I've ever known think that, like, when you're born, you're given underwear and you have to keep them until you die. I feel a little bad about abandoning these guys, by the way. They had a little yeah. life left in them. Because they have so many memories together. Yeah. Like, it's like they've yeah. really been with me through the worst yeah. times. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the Napoleon's, Napoleon's uh, generals been through the, the full campaign. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. New, new software and underwear. That's what Nick needs. Blue. Good question, though. I think it's blue. <laughs> uh, it's black. It's black. All right, you guys. Black and blue all over our authors tonight on their butts. <laughs> um, let's give a big round of applause for Nick and Ryan and Kathleen. <laughs> Thank you so much for ending this uh, academic year season of the LIC Reading Series because we are going to break for the summer. But we will be back, not the second Tuesday of September, a special September 17th to do a bookend event for the Brooklyn Book oh, Festival. Cool. It will yeah. be here, but we're going to represent Queens on September 17th. It's going to be a special night of uh, discussing images and text. And we're going to have Courtney Mom, Mira Jacob, cool. and Beowulf Sheehan, who's awesome. taken like half of the author photos of anyone yeah. who's ever come here to read. So I hope to see you on September 17th. Have a wonderful summer. Buy some books. Get some autographs. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Catherine. That's today's show. If you like what you heard, tell a friend or leave a review wherever you found us. Special thanks to LIC Bar, the Astoria Bookshop, and our amazing intern, Nadine Santoro. A big thank you to our sponsors over the years, LIC Corner Cafe, Sweet Leaf Coffee, Court Square Diner, and the Gantry Restaurant. This episode was recorded by Carl Jacob and mixed and edited by Justin Alvarez. Our theme music is by Pat Irwin. The LIC Reading Series is made possible in part by the Queen's Council on the Arts with public funds from the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs in partnership with the City Council. I'm your host, Catherine Lasota. See you next time in Queens. <laughs>